Uh, well, hey, good morning again, uh, Christ City Church. Uh, listen, I, you know, I want to thank you again for joining us this morning. Um, by the way, I want to say it was so good seeing some of you on Wednesday at our noontime uh, Ash Wednesday imposition of ashes. Uh, goodness gracious, it was like water to weary souls. It, it had been so long uh, since seeing so many of you. And for those that joined the stream that night of our Ash Wednesday service, I just I, I want to say thank you uh, to you as well. As this has been mentioned already, we've been we've been gathering each morning, Monday through Friday at seven o'clock for about 20 minutes uh, together just to, to pray through the Lenten season. Uh, and those morning prayer meetings, it, they've, they've just been so good. And, and so I just want to encourage you to, to make it a point to join us this week. If you can't join every day, then identify the days that you will join us and fold that into your schedule. Because as a church, we, we, we want to press into the Lord, most especially during this season leading up to Easter. And the, and the way that we want to do that is through prayer. We want to, we want to pray. We want to, we want to pray our, on our own, and we want to pray with our church community. So I hope that you'll join us this week. Also, I want to say uh, a welcome to those of you who are newer to our church, especially those that haven't joined us in person, uh, but have only experienced us through our social media channels and through YouTube. I, I want to say I'm so glad that you're here. We've, um, over the months, recently especially, we've heard from a number of you through email and through our newcomers meet and greet. And so I just want to say thank you for joining us. I, I know it, it can be really hard to find a new church and trying to do so in the midst of quarantines and pandemics is, is especially hard, like exponentially harder. And, and I want you to know that, man, I just I, I honor you and I'm, and I'm proud and grateful for the work that you're putting in to caring for your soul and how you're striving to cultivate your faith, even in the midst of pandemics. And by the way, that, and that sentiment, it goes for everybody on the stream. Your, your, your commitment to the cadence of prayer and worship and small group and, and giving, frankly, it's all inspiring to me. And I'm grateful for you and, 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 and grateful to be among your number. And I, I just, I praise God for you. And so again, church, welcome. I, I, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad we're here in this together. Um, <clears throat> this morning, uh, we're going to begin a three-month-long journey of prayer. Um, this journey, practically, it started on Wednesday with the launch of our Lenten morning prayers, and it continues today with the start of a new sermon series on the topic, and it will conclude a couple of weeks after Easter with a night of church-wide prayer and worship. Um, the, the hope and the, the prayer for all of this is that we might begin to understand and, and begin to experience the power of God in our midst as we call upon him, that, 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 that we might become more practiced at prayer, that we might become more anticipatory of the Spirit's involvement with, within our prayers. And in our times of praying together in, in small groups and, and in our morning gatherings, we will experience different forms of praying. Some of the forms that we use, you, you might be less familiar with, because oftentimes the truth is the Spirit needs us to be disrupted from the familiar so that we are more attuned to the Spirit's work. So as we walk through this journey together of prayer, 
We will experience different kinds of prayers. We will experience Taze prayers, Lectio Divina prayers, breath prayers, and others. We will invite you to participate in, in prayer walks because sometimes prayers need to be in a place so that the Spirit can alert us to the work of God among a people and within a geography. We will be praying different kinds. We, we will be praying for, for one another. We will be praying for, for salvations and for healings and, and for the end to oppression. We will pray for, for reconciliation of relationships. We will pray for courage and for wisdom and for discernment. Some prayers we might sing. Other prayers are going to be silent. Some, some prayers will be through tears and, and others will be through glorious hallelujahs. But we're going to pray our way through the season, church. And yet in all of this, the aim is that we might grow in our understanding of and our experience of the power of God, the power of, of calling on the name of the Lord. Now, as far as the sermon series is concerned, we're going to be digging into the Lord's Prayer. We will uh, look at the prayer that Jesus invited his disciples to pray in Matthew 6, the prayer that that Jesus drops into the middle of the Sermon on the Mount when he begins, and when you pray. We want to walk through this prayer and this passage. We're going to walk through it verse by verse and, and, and phrase by phrase in order to understand Jesus' invitation and Jesus' instruction on prayer. And we want to take that invitation, that instruction, we want to consider how Jesus' prayer ought to inform our own prayer life. Um, now, so that's where we're going. But here's the thing: to 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 begin, to begin with this, I want to start with a far more basic question that has what it seems to me a very complicated answer. Uh, and the question is: What is prayer? What is prayer? And here's what I want you to do: I, I want you to take a moment and I want you to consider that question, and I want you to think about how you would answer. And if you're able, if you're on the Zoom uh, call or if you're uh, on YouTube, uh, I want you to drop your response in the chat or, or in the comment section. What is prayer? Now, look, your response, it doesn't have to be like fully formed. It has to be precisely articulated. I, I, actually, I actually prefer it to be the rawest, most honest answer. Um, even a response of I'm not sure what prayer is. That's a completely appropriate response. So I've been mulling this question of, of what is prayer. Go ahead and drop your comments in the chat. I've been mulling this question over in my mind for a few days now, and I reached out and I asked a few of our small group leaders this question uh, to get their responses. And uh, some of them, I said, hey, what's prayer? Send me like a 10-second resp video response. And so they sent me in their responses. I put them all together. So take a minute and see how small group leaders responded to the question of what is prayer as you drop in the chat your answers. To me, prayer is a conversation. It's a conversation with God um, that never really ends, and it's just marked by different seasons. Prayer is connecting with God. Prayer, uh, to me, in its, in its um, essence, is uh, communicating uh, with God. God. So it can be something formal or informal. Um, about something big or small, but in its foundation, it, it is communicating uh, with God. Do you concur?
I think prayer is a way to love on your community, um, to look after them, even if you can't get to them um, and, and wrap your arms around them, you can always take them to the Lord in prayer. Prayer is an opportunity to form an intimate, personal relationship with God. Prayer is a moment-by-moment, day-by-day conversation with God. Uh, thank you, uh, small group leaders, for sending those in. And thank you to all of you for dropping your own responses in the chat. I took a look at those of folks saying it's just being raw with God, being real with God, talking to God. Um, as I was thinking about this question of what is prayer, I- I've sort of retraced some of my own understanding of what prayer is. And I've gone back. I was trying to think through what are my earliest memories of praying? And as a child, what are some of those first things that I prayed for? And how have those first earliest prayers actually shaped the trajectory of my prayer life? I was thinking about it, and one of the earliest prayers that I can remember praying was a nighttime prayer that I prayed virtually every night on my own as a child lying in my bed. It's probably a prayer that, that you have heard and that you know. And now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And then after I would pray, Lord, my soul to take, I would begin just listing everybody that I knew and that I was praying for. I I would start by praying like my family tree until I fell asleep. Jesus, I pray for mom, dad, Luke, granny, grandma, grandpa, aunt, Jan, aunt, Joe, aunt, Linda, uncle Charles. And then from there, I would start in on the cousins and I'd get about a dozen ways into the cousins before I just drift off to sleep because there's a lot of them. Now, looking back, and, and, and even sort of then, I think I realized this, this is kind of a morbid prayer. Lord, if I as a seven-year-old die in my sleep, like that's just sort of a, I don't know, a, an alarming thing for a kid to pray. But, but also there's a truth in this prayer that I've, that I've held on to as I lay down to sleep. It's a, it's a prayer of remembrance that God is the one that holds my life in his hands. God is the one who watches over me while I'm asleep, while I'm at my most vulnerable. God will keep me through the night. I actually, I actually pray a, a sentiment of this over my own children at night, that they would know that, that while they rest, that God watches over them. And in his care, they can rest without worry. Somewhere uh, along the line, I, I knew that prayer wasn't just You know, it wasn't just for me and my situation or even for the sake of my soul, but it was also a way for me to petition for others, uh, to do what I could to make sure that God was aware of the circumstances of others in my life and that God would act on their behalf as well. When, When I think back to some of those earliest memories of prayer and earliest meanings of prayer for me, this, this, this nighttime prayer is the, is the image that I have. What, I wonder what the earliest images of prayer are for you. Maybe it's um, like prayers of thanksgiving at mealtime where you, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. Maybe it was prayers in earnestness because of some situation that you were in. Or maybe it wasn't prayers that you prayed, but prayers that you overheard from others as they prayed. And those are the prayers that shaped you and that might now inform how you would answer the question of what is prayer. 
In answering the question of what is prayer, I I, want to answer it kind of in two ways, because I think it will be helpful for us as we move through the Lord's Prayer and move through our, our, our shared experiences of prayer in the coming weeks. And so I, I want to answer the question of what is prayer in, in a general sense, and then I also want to answer it in a more specific sense. Again, because I think in, in these two ways, it will help guide uh, what is up ahead for us. The first, generally speaking, generally speaking, I think prayer are those moments when we commune with God. Prayer is just simply communing with God. Some of that response is echoed in the chat where folks are just saying it's just when you talk with God, when you spend time with God. Prayer are those moments when we are communing and and, and communicating with God with our mouths and with our minds and with our lives and, and from our souls. Prayer is those moments where we're talking with and walking with God, where we're sitting with God and living with God and living with a Godward intentionality. Those moments can be viewed as prayer. It's, it's this notion of prayer as communing with God or living with a Godward intention that I believe Paul had in mind when he said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. The understanding isn't that uh, the understanding that, that praying isn't simply those moments when we pause quietly and say the formulaic words of "Dear Lord." Although prayer isn't less than that, it is much more than that. And that a communion with God, a communing with God, that, that whatever the act, whatever the words or lack of words, that that is a form of prayer. And so, what that means is that even tomorrow morning, when you launch into work. If there is an intentional orientation towards God's presence and communion with you in the midst of your work day, then it can be said that in a very real sense, your work can be a form of prayer. And as such, that understanding, it ought to shape the way that we work. Similarly, students, listen, when you log on to your school websites tomorrow, when you dial into like Microsoft Teams or DCPS Canvas account or whatever it is, taking a moment to remember that God is with you in the midst of your chemistry assignments or your essays for English or your Spanish lessons or your, your upcoming quizzes, like whatever it is that you're having to face, remembering that God is with you, communing with you, walking with you and you with him, well, in that way, your, your schoolwork can be a form of prayer for the Lord. <laughs> even, even as you might also pray, Lord, help me with that test on Friday. Amen. So in that way, prayer is, it is, it's communing and communion with the Lord throughout the day and throughout every day and every moment of the day. And that's an answer to the prayer in a general sense. What is prayer in a general sense? But I think there's an added nuance that I'd like to propose, and, and that's this, that that prayer is also a calling on God to come through on God's promises, chiefly his promises of salvation and rescue and redemption and renewal. Let me repeat that. That prayer is a a calling out to God, a, a calling on God to come through on his promises, chiefly his promises of salvation and rescue and redemption and renewal. Now, let me say this Understanding it's not original with me. I'm I'm indebted to a number of other pastors and authors who've helped clarify this definition for me, namely J. Gary Miller of uh, Queensland Theological College in Australia. Prayer 
in a specific sense are those moments when we when we call out and we cry out to God asking for God to address some area of our lives or some area in the world that isn't as God intended. And yet it is an area within the scope of life that God has indicated that he is working to set right. Now understood this way, Prayer carries in it a, a, a gospel ache and a, and a gospel recognition, the, the good news message that God has committed to providing a promise and a provision, Jesus Christ, to set right all that is broken in the world. And because of that promise and because of that provision, we can come to God with our prayers. We can, we can as the scriptures say, we can call upon the name of the Lord. And this refrain of, of calling upon God repeats throughout the Bible. It begins in, in, in the Genesis account. The, the first time the phrase appears is in Genesis 4. It's, it's after the fall and after the consequences of the fall that follow. The Bible recounts Adam and Eve's story after the garden. It tells us that the first family, that they begin to have grandchildren. And then we see for the first time the phrase that would be repeated through Scripture at that time, People began to call on the name of the Lord. People began to pray. In 1 Chronicles 16, the people of God, they are commanded, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. In the Psalms, it's repeated, such as in Psalms 80 or Psalm 116. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation. And what? I'll call upon the name of the Lord. This, this sentiment, if not this exact phrase of, of crying out to God, it actually is the conclusion of the Bible. In Revelation 22, the, the penultimate verse in all of the Bible, which simply says, come Lord Jesus. Is that not calling upon the name of the Lord? Prayer is our communing with God, and it is our crying out to God to come through on his promises to save, his, his promises to heal and to restore and to renew. Prayer is the words, it's the, it's the tears, it's the groans that we lay at the Lord's feet as we cry out for liberation, for deliverance from that which oppresses us without and within. And when we pray for God to heal, for example, when we, when, we, when we pray for God to heal a family member of cancer, we're praying to a God that told us that he is a God who will wipe away every tear from our eyes and that soon, in a day not too far ahead, there will be no more death and no more mourning or crying or pain. When we pray to God to care for those in Texas affected by dual tragedies of mother nature and human nature. We pray to a God who told us that he will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. You see, when we, when we pray for liberation from besetting sins or, or sorrow of spirit, we call upon the name of the one who says to us, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and to I and the one who gives you rest. Our prayers are those, those moments when we are coming to God and asking God to make good on his promises, and his, his gospel promises, his, his kingdom promises that he is at work, seeking and saving and renewing and restoring. This is why our prayers of lamentation are prayers that say, God, I'm not sure you're going to come through on this, but I'm still going to pray because I know that you're a God who has promised and who has provided a way to make all things right. 
Prayer is a communing with God and a crying out to God to come through on his salvific promises for our lives and for the world. Which brings me back to the Lord's Prayer. And as we'll see in the weeks ahead, the Lord's Prayer is the capstone of prayers that reflects one's communion and communing with God and one's pleading with God to act on behalf of humanity. Next week, uh, we will begin looking at the beginning of the prayer, Our Father. But, I, but ahead of that, just a, maybe a few words about the setting and the prologue to the prayer. The Lord's Prayer, it, it's, it's in the middle of Jesus' most famous sermon. It's just smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we spent a long time looking at another part of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, we looked at the Beatitudes at the end of last year. When we look at the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes are at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. The Lord's Prayer is in the middle. Beatitudes is in Matthew 5, Lord's Prayer is in Matthew 6. Now look, don't get jammed up. You can read the whole Sermon on the Mount in like 20 minutes, so it's not like reading like Lord of the Rings or something. Leading into the prayer, Jesus, he gives us some instructions. So let's take a quick look at them. Matthew 6, uh, verses 5 through 8. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus begins by assuming that his audience will engage in prayer. This is why he begins his statements, when you pray, rather than, hey, by the way, if you pray, but then he immediately begins to contrast the, the, the form and the motivation of the kind of prayer that he's about to prescribe with the forms and motivations of prayers that were swirling around the culture of his day. When we see in Matthew 5 and 6, Jesus identifies two different cultural forms of prayer. One approach to prayer that was within his own Jewish background, and then another approach that was Uh, and the predominant pagan Gentile background in which he lived. And it's against both of these images. He says, don't be like that, but let your prayers be marked by a different form and and a completely different motivation. On the one hand, uh, Jesus, speaking to the crowd on the mount, he says, listen, when, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who stand in the religious centers they stand in the, in the religious center, they stand in the synagogues, and they also stand in the public spaces so that they might be seen by others and deemed righteous. Their aim is to be seen by others. On the other hand, Jesus says, neither are you to be like, uh, like the pagans who aren't necessarily looking to be seen, but they would much rather be heard. So they babble on and on, and they use many words. I was trying to think through this and trying to imagine this and, and what are contemporary equivalents like 
of both those that might want to simply be seen in holy places or those that or public places for that matter, and those that want to be heard in public places so that their righteousness could be on display. And I wonder, I wonder if Jesus might say to us, hey, listen, church, when you pray, don't be like those that host worship services in public places under the banner of let us worship for the sake of self-promotion and aggrandizement and political gain. They want to be seen by others. And perhaps Jesus might also say to his church, don't be like those that rush to social media to babble on with their many words, offering their own hot takes on things they have little knowledge of and less understanding of. For they only want to be heard by others. But rather, when you pray, know that your Father in heaven, that he sees you. Even when you're all alone in your room, door closed, he, he sees you. And, and, and when you pray to him, when you, when, when you talk with him, he hears you. God is attuned to you. Grandstanding isn't necessary with God. Eloquent, wordy words aren't needed when you talk with your heavenly father. Church, when you, when you pray, when, when, when we pray, let us pray with the assurance that with God, that we are seen and we are heard. What's even more like icing on the cake, what's even better than that, Jesus ends the prologue before launching into the prayer. He says in Matthew 6, 8, your father knows what you need even before you ask him. This doesn't mean that, we, that we're not supposed to ask him, not at all. But what it does mean is that God knows you, that he knows you, that he, that he knows me. He, he knows what we need. He knows what's on our hearts. He, he knows the ways that we're troubled. He knows our, our losses. He knows our longings. He knows our joys and our hallelujahs, that he knows us. Not only is it that God sees us, and not only is it that he hears us, but he knows us. This is why the, the author of Hebrews can say to us in Hebrews 11 that we approach the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that we will receive mercy and find grace in our times of need because we're seen and heard and known deeply by God. And so it is from that confident place and, and in that confident relationship with the Lord that we can pray, our Father who art in heaven, or now I lay me down to sleep. Or thank you for this food that we're about to receive. As we pray this week, as we pray today, let us pray knowing that our God hears us and sees us and knows us. Amen. God, that is a, that is a word, that is a truth, that is a reminder to us, that you hear our prayers, you hear the aches of our heart, you hear prayers that we pray when we're embarrassed because we've made a mistake. You hear our prayers that we offer up when we've fallen short of who we want to be in ways big and small. And we pray to a God who has promised to come through on his promises of restoring broken relationships, of setting right things that are set wrong of healing and of restoring. God, thank you that you are a God that we can turn to 
God that hears our prayers and that sees us when we pray and knows us so deeply that you know what we need even before we ask. It's to that God that I pray. Amen.